welcome to How to Work in Film and TV, the podcast that attempts to explain and help you actually find a job working in the film industry. Let's get started. I'm your host, Ashley Bearden. I'm a producer and director based in New York, and I've been working in the entertainment industry for about 20 years now. I came up working on scripted film and television projects, and now mainly I work on unscripted and documentary films. I'm originally from Arkansas, and when I first moved to New York in 2002, I had a little bit of savings and a dream and no connections at all. And I really struggled for the first couple of months to find a job. And honestly, it was several years before I worked pretty consistently in the industry. And I'm shocked by how 20 years later, it doesn't seem to be any easier for those trying to get their start in the business. This business is so much built on who you know and connections that you have. And if you don't know anyone yet, it's really, it can be a struggle. And I just, I feel like it should be a little bit easier. So I started this podcast because it's what I wish existed for me when I first started out. I thought it would be helpful to hear from the real crew working on film and television sets and also working on commercials and in development and the media to hear about all the opportunities that are out there and really understand what the jobs entail. And I'm also hoping that you'll get some practical advice about how to find a job yourself. So I'm excited you're here and to introduce you to my first guest. Life is good. Stephen Shepard is a first assistant director currently working on his eighth season of Blue Bloods for CBS. Originally from Pittsburgh, where he first got his start, Shep has worked on more film and television shows than I can list. But to name a few, Law & Order, Girls, Boardwalk Empire, The Americans, and most recently, Harlem. Shep is one of the smartest and kindest ADs working in a position that is not always known for that. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Do I sound okay? You sound okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I know. You sound great. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump right in. All right. How did you get your first job in the film business? I got my first job. I was bartending um, and waiting tables to make ends meet and looking for a gig and in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh in uh suburban pittsburgh and one night a guy ended up at my bar who said his brother was working on a movie in locations and i was like awesome can i email him and i did i sent him my resume i went and interviewed and uh i got i became the unit pa uh for my bloody valentine 3d and uh you know basically that was just picking up trash and hanging parking signs and making location maps and you know stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my first gig. And then how did you keep going? So that was what, so most, most people that work in the film business, we freelance, nobody, right. most people work for themselves. And we, this is another reason why the, the, the business is hard to get into. Cause if you don't know people, it's tricky. So yeah. how did you find when that movie was over, what happened next? You know, I just, I mean, I think, and this is my first sort of piece of advice to anybody breaking in is like, I just, I made sure that I did a great job with that first gig. And then luckily I stuck with that locations crew for, you know, about, uh, almost two years. Um, and at the same time, made sure I made relationships with other people on set that I looked at and I went, Oh, that's cool. I think I want to do that. Um, so in terms of ADing, 
and getting into that department, I made friends with the ADs on Bloody Valentine. And um, and the ADs are the assistant directors. Yes, sorry. Yes, the assistant directing uh, team on that uh, on that movie. You know, you have a first, you have a second, and a second, second. And the second, second was also a Pittsburgh local, uh, Susan Coyle, who um, I just hit it off with and made sure I helped her however I could. And eventually, um, it, during that movie, the locations department needed to cut me because they were they were done being on location. They didn't need me anymore. And Susan ended up hiring me because um, she just liked my work ethic and liked the way I, I handled myself. Um, and so between those two people, you know, they helped employ me for basically two years between those two. Um, and I just made sure I was always available for them. And when they called, I, you know, I came running. So there were two, you worked for two years in Pittsburgh. There were, I guess that was when, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's still happening, but for a long time, there were a lot of movies that were shot in Pittsburgh because of the tax credit that was there. Exactly. So I had, you know, I did that Bloody Valentine 3D, obviously horror movie. Um, and then I did another horror movie called Sorority Row. Um, there was a bunch of commercials that would come into town. I'd work on those as well. Um, but I, I just basically bounced between locations and the AD department. Um, and, you know, it was it didn't matter what it was. I was just hungry for, you know, another opportunity, you know, another another position. You no, know, I want to learn. You know, I, I started the scout and then I uh, sorority row, for example, I learned how to, you know, do background, uh, deal with extras um, mm. on uh, on a commercial. Then I, I learned how to, like, actually, you know, manage a location and. And, and stuff like that and sign contracts, you know, just every job. Um, I tried to gain some new bit of knowledge, some new skill that, you know, could take me to the next step. And then how did you end up in New York? So Susan, uh, who I mentioned, she, you know, really believed in me. And she mentioned, she said, there's this uh, program called the DGA trainee program. I think it'd be kind of perfect for you. You should, look into it if you want to, you know, get out of Pittsburgh and try to move to New York or LA. Um, so long story short, I applied to the New York trainee program and I got in. It's, um, it's definitely something I would recommend to those of you who are not, uh, in New York already and looking for like a way to get yourselves up there or to LA as well. Cause it functions there. Um, you know, you have to take a test. And then, tell us what, what's the name of the, it's the Directors Guild of America has a program for yeah. trainees. So basically the DGA, Directors Guild, um, runs a trainee program that has this process where you first you take like a standardized test. Um, then there's two rounds of interviews, the second round of which you're with the actual Directors Guild Board of Trustees, which are, you know, usually some pretty big people, successful people in the industry. Um, and they select on average, I think in New York, they select about seven a year on average. Uh, L.A. a little bit more. I think L.A. is like 15, 14 to 15 a year. Um, and they, you know, do it once a year. And if you get in, uh, if you're lucky enough to get in in two years time, then you're able to put in your book uh, for the Directors Guild, which for those of you who don't understand what that means, it's basically what puts you on what we call the qualification list to start working as an assistant director in either New York or L.A. based upon which program you were in. Um, and when you're in that program, you're essentially working as a, as a production assistant on different jobs, right? Exactly. And you get, um, 
you know, the thing you get with the training program is you get, uh, they find the jobs for you. So you lose a little bit of the freelance nature of it. You're sort of assigned to a job and it's like, this is what you're going to do. Um, but it forces you in a way to, you know, you have to adapt to whatever circumstance you're thrown into. You don't get to work with the same person over and over. It's always a new group of people. It's a, it's a new set. It's a new show. Um, you can go from half hour comedies to a movie, you know, it, um, it can change just based on what's available. Uh, so that there's an advantage to that, which is you get a varied experience. Um, but then you don't get to develop, you only have a short time really to develop relationships, which is really the key, um, to you taking the next step after that. Um, whether, whether you're a production assistant or a trainee, uh, the key is to maintain relationships, maintain connections, uh, so that when you're ready to take the next step, you have people you can call, people you can, you know, connect with uh, or reconnect with as a work. And the goal of that program is to is is it's a pathway to an assistant director, essentially, right? Exactly. Exactly. But right. it also, you know, there are several people who have come through that program who have gone straight to trying to be a producer's assistant because they developed a great relationship with the producer on this job. Um, or, you know, oh, they, you know, uh, they want to get into camera and they developed a really good relationship with like this DP. Okay. And like they transitioned to that. Um, and I think whenever you're in the production assistant phase, when you're in the early phase of your career, not everybody, I think everybody comes into the business being like, I want to be a director. I want to be this. I want to be that. And I'd say, in my experience, like 50% of people realize very quickly, like, oh, you know what, I'd rather do this. Or, mm -hmm. oh, you know what, I think I'm stronger at this. Um, yeah. And that's your opportunity to get your foot in the door. Uh, even if you're not working in that department, you know, not directly with whoever uh, the person in question is. Um, you know, I've, I've always made that um, a priority is to develop as many relationships within as many departments and as many people as possible. So tell us what, what is the, what is your job? What would tell us what you do in your words? What is a first assistant director? So the first AD and then, you know, by proxy, the entire AD department, our job is to run the set, um, is to make sure everything's running on time, make sure every element, that needs to be there, the props, the set dressing, the costumes, just every single thing that makes the set tick is there, accounted for, everybody knows where to be, when to be, and, and you know, basically keeps us ticking, as it were. Um, and the most important part of our job is communication. Um, our job is to communicate with everybody what the shot is, what we need, what we don't need, um, who needs to be there, who shouldn't be there, um, and then also safety. Um, so we're the ones who worry about, you know, how to keep things safe on set, whether we're doing a stunt, uh, dancing, uh, have minors on set, animals on set, um, special effects that are going off, um, you know, if you have a lit fire on set, just anything that results in safety uh, concerns, that's your, your ballywick as well. And it's, you know, it, it's a balancing act because there's a logistical side to things and there's a creative side to things. Um, and you need to 
put those things together. You need to make sure those things link up, um, are in agreement, and are both, you know, ready basically. Like sometimes creatively something's not ready, um, mm. and logistically you have to adapt, uh, or vice versa. Sometimes something logistically is not possible, and now on the creative side you need to be like, all right, we need a different solution. Um, this shot doesn't work, or um, this location is giving us a hard time. We have to go over here instead to, to do the scene. Um, just any any problem that arises, any um, uh, you know curveball that comes our way, you you as the first AD need to be ready to take that curveball, bring everybody together, yeah. and come up with a solution. You know. What would you say is your favorite thing about your job? Um, solving problems. That's, you know, that, that's at the heart of what we do. Um, so that's my first, uh, favorite thing about my job. My second favorite thing is I, you know, I was involved in team sports my whole life, um, growing up and to me, filmmaking, uh, making a TV show, making a movie is a team sport. Um, it is something that you need to do together. And I view my job as being, you know, part of a, like a captain of that team and making sure everybody's getting along. Everybody's, you know, working towards the same goal and everybody, you know, is on the same page. What if you could change something about our industry, not necessarily your specific job, but if you, if there, there, you know, th this job is great and wonderful and fun, but we all know that it also has some drawbacks. It, yeah. um, but I feel like it's good to talk about both. <laughs> if yeah, if so, if you had something that you could do, yeah. wave a magic wand and change, what would you change? If I could wave a magic wand, I think the thing I would change is honestly just, um, you know, I would love for there to be a, we, we've made a shift since COVID. Uh, we, we've made a shift towards working less hours and and making it more manageable, but it's still it's still hard. It's still you know like you're gonna have some big days, you're gonna have some long days, some long hours. Um, and we've you know we've been conditioned. I know you've been conditioned the same way as me, um, coming up in the business that you know that's totally fine and that's acceptable and you know, but it still would be nice if we got back down, got down to like, you know, Hey, a 10 hour day is totally fine. I've had, I've had producers on shows come up to me. Um, and this is like in the past year and a half who have been like, Oh man, like we, you know, we didn't work 12 hours today. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's okay. That's wasting time. Yeah. That, like that's, they were, you know, that they, they basically were like, we didn't, we didn't take advantage of the day enough. And it's like, what we, we shot for 10 and we worked for 10 and a half hours. What, what is wrong with that? What's like, um, so that mentality still exists. And, um, I, if I could ma wave a magic wand, I'd make us start going, okay, 10 hours is like an acceptable day to work. And, um, you know, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. I don't think my, if, unless my magic wand appears, um, I don't, I don't see that going down. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I, a lot of people aren't necessarily yeah. prepared for when you start working in this business, too. Um, to, to be, especially when you're starting out, to expect that you're probably working a 12 to 14 hour day every day. And if you're working on a, 
an an hour you know drama scripted that is going to yeah. be your life for many 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 m- months and it can change depending on what project you're working on Co- short, half hour comedies tend to sometimes have a little bit hours that are a little bit better if you work on documentary films like I do your hours can be right. that long and then some days your days are four to four hours it just depends on what you're doing but I think that the the time commitment is something that I feel like yeah. I didn't realize when I first got into it it was a shock to my system <laughs> So I, I think the big part of this podcast, I feel like I want to be able to offer people some advice as to if somebody's trying to get into the business now, somebody comes from Pittsburgh, somebody comes from Arkansas like me, like how, where are people finding jobs these days? If you don't, you know, we both moved here, not know, you kind of knew some people when you moved here. When I moved here, I didn't know anybody. And it's um, even now. I have people ask me all the time, you know, I, I want to get into the business. How do I do it? And it's great. If they happen to know me, I can, can guide them. But if you don't know anybody, what are your, what are you hearing and seeing now? I know you sometimes don't do the direct hiring for a lot yeah. of the production assistants and those types of people, but do you have any advice as to how people might find some practical ways in these days? I mean, so I have a kid right now who um, just came to us. He's from Oklahoma. I think this kid's story is kind of great. His name is Levi. And he, you know, he wants to be an actor. That That's that's his ultimate goal. Um, and he's working towards that. But he basically, like, started out, there was, like, a Martin Scorsese movie in town. And he basically, you know, got on as an extra, tried to, you know, like, answer a casting call, met some of the PAs, talked to them, talked to the ADs, got, you know, and just, like, made some contacts. I mean, just like literally, um, I had another kid that I, uh, worked for me for a little while and he's, he's gone and he's, he's successful. Um, but he was an extra, I was doing Birdman, and he was one of like the crowd extras in times square. And he literally just started helping us lock up. Mm. Like it was crazy. It's times square. It's nuts, you know? And this kid just, his name was Drew, Drew Rahimi. And he, um, he just went and was like, Hey, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, that's great. And I remembered him at that point on We exchanged numbers after that. And he just started texting me like, Hey man, I'd love to, I'd love to work. That's it. I mean, you just, you have to be willing to work whatever job it is. Yeah. You, know, you can't like turn your nose up at, Oh, it's, you know, they want me to like be a COVID PA or they want me to, you know, they want me to just like, ring the bells like whatever it is if you do it well you show up on time and you ask the right questions or at least you ask questions you show initiative you're people are going to remember who you are people are going to go oh that person they're you know they're they're a go-getter yeah. And you never know who, who, what that next person's job is going to be either. That was one of my, I, I, the first job I did really was working on this tiny little digital film at the time when digital was just brand new and it was not cool. And it was a short film and the producer ended, I was a PA on that job and the producer, his next job ended up being lost in translation. <laughs> which got nominated for an Oscar that year. So, you know, you just have to do the kind of things that aren't glamorous because everybody moves around constantly. And that next job that those people that just hired you for might be something really amazing. It's a good, really good advice. The other thing I would say is if you see a set, like literally just like walk up to any kid who's wearing a walkie and be like, hey, 
who's the TPA? I want to give, here's my number, uh, you know, have your resume on your phone ready to go. And it doesn't matter if your resume doesn't have any film experience on it. I want to see, often it's more revealing what other jobs you've worked. I get a sense of what you're going to be like. You know what I mean? Mm, um, yeah. I feel like, um, you know, if you see certain jobs, like I, I worked in the service industry a lot uh, before I came to this. And I always, I always perk up when I see that because it means you know how to deal with customers and deal with difficult mm -hmm. personalities. Um, and that's a, a big skill to have uh, being on a set. I don't care what job you're doing. The last thing I, I feel like I want to start to end this podcast on is that one of the things I always say is a good perk of working in this business is when when you go home for the holidays, there's always you always tend to have really good stories to tell. <laughs> and what do you have like a favorite story? I, I know I, I don't this won't be like a, a tell all of, you know, of, of celebrity gossip, but a fun story that you have from working in the film business is like a fun one to tell something crazy or funny or just dream come true -y. A favorite story to tell? Um, I would say it's not so much a story as, you know, one of my, um, I was actually just talking about this literally yesterday, but, you know, one of my favorite, like, episodes of TV I ever worked on was um, on Girls Season 1. We did this Bushwick lock party. And it literally was, a lot. It wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, what you saw on screen was an actual party. I mean, we, we literally went out on the streets, found real like Bushwick hipsters, people who had never been on sets before. There was like, I think there was real beer behind the, like somebody stuck, stuck real beer behind the bar. Um, there was like a real DJ. It was, and it was, you know, six days of just filming the most fun party you've ever been to. And it was, it was my last job in the trainee program where I graduated. Um, and it was just such a fun moment and a fun, uh, you know, thing to film as one of the last things before I graduated uh, that stuck with me for, you know, that was almost 13 years ago now. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and I'll never, I'll never forget that. It, I, had I was running the extras on that. I was the uh, the trainee who was doing like all the background wrangling, and I had 350 people every day. And by day three, I knew every single one of their <laughs> names, um, you know what their numbers were. Like it was, um, and they, you know, every night we'd finish and we'd have we'd have like a drum circle going on and holding. I mean, it was it, it was one of those moments that makes you appreciate you know, how lucky you are to work in this business. Um, uh, second story I have like that, that I'll tell real briefly is, you know, we just, uh, and sort of illustrates the craziness of this business and how it can yield uh, fun results sometimes. So we just did an episode of Blue Bloods where we were gonna try to shoot on a rooftop um, in the city. We didn't have so much luck with the rooftop. We sort of had to scramble. We knew we wanted something, you know, sort of iconic and, you know, identifiably New York. So within the space of two days, we scrambled together two boats um, and put our characters on the boat and sailed out to the Statue of Liberty and shot this like sunset scene in front of the Statue of Liberty. We had a crane on one of the boats and we're just like doing laps, you know, between Ellis Island and, you know, Battery Park City and 
trade centers in the background. And it was one of those moments, just like the girls' off party, where you're like, this is, these are the fun days. This makes it worth it. This makes it worth it. Exactly. Exactly. These are the things that are way better than sitting in an office, banging on a computer, um, filling out a spreadsheet, you know, what have you. Um, Like, this is why you in this business is to do fun things like that um and say like what'd you do at work today oh i threw like a gigantic loft party rave where people were like actually going insane um <laughs> what'd you do for work today oh i i sailed around the statue of liberty for six hours you know shooting off of a crane you know that's those are the sort of things that you just can't uh you can't replace If you go to the show notes for this episode, you'll find a link to subscribe to a weekly email that we're going to start doing with this podcast. Um, It'll have a transcript of the conversation as well as links to anything that we talked about. We'll also be including links to opportunities, job listings, and more. So make sure you subscribe. And if you haven't already done so, please follow How to Work in Film and TV on your favorite podcast app. If you found this episode interesting or helpful, or if you know someone who's looking to get into the entertainment industry, maybe you'd also be willing to share it. Uh, you could text it or post it on social media. The, this podcast is a true labor of love, and the whole point is to make this information accessible to everyone. So your help in spreading the word is greatly appreciated. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next week.